0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of season two of The View from Peru. I am your host, Chris Fry, and I'm a missionary down here in Lima, Peru. This is a podcast all about missions and ministry from my perspective down here in Lima, Peru. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. I really appreciate that. Today I have a very special guest, Brock Glover, former assistant pastor of Origins Church in Ohio. He and his church have come on various missions trips to Peru. And I've served on a few of them, on a few of their trips, and it's been great. It's been amazing to hear how the Lord has used their ministry and the way that they partner with local churches during these missions trips. Brock and I discuss how much of a blessing international missions trips can be not only for the people that the churches are ministering to, but the servers, the short-term missionaries themselves as well. So if you have ever thought about going on a mission trip, if you have ever thought about serving internationally, if your church is advertising or there's been talks about an international or even local mission trip, I think you're going to have some amazing insights provided from Brock himself on today's episode. So please stay tuned. And after the episode, I have some more announcements about Paola and myself, about how things have been going for us and our ministries down here, and about future episodes that will be coming up as well. So don't drop off here at the intro, don't drop off at the end of the interview, but if you could, please listen all the way through. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I think that's enough of me for now. Here is the interview with Brock. Oh yeah, one last thing that's kind of embarrassing, at least for me. But this interview was actually recorded about a year ago. And then as I explained last week, I went on like a two, three week break that accidentally turned into like about a year. So I would still say all the content still really, really applies. Well, except for the part where it might be harder for churches to travel internationally right now. But hopefully, Lord willing, all of that changes here soon, and the international missions trips can pick up just as they were going in 2019 and part of 2020. All right, their interview, for real this time. Brock, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited that we were able to, you know, find a good time to meet. I love looking at the background you have there. You know, you're out on your porch and it's green and sunny and it's beautiful. And all I've seen is like cement and a gray sky. So that's really nice to see. So yeah, so just some background Mm -hmm. information. We first met in 2010, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2010. And that was the first official missions trip of Origins Church. And until recently, you were working as a pastoral on the pastoral staff of Origins Church. And um what I wanted to ask you about for the view from Peru for this podcast is a little bit about the philosophy you guys have developed with short-term missions. Because I've seen, you know. Firsthand by joining with you guys a couple of times, and then also just watching, you know, my friends in Peru that have worked alongside you and my parents. Um, you guys do an awesome trip, and I, well, I just was wondering about how all that came to be, and if you could yeah. explain to the listeners what it is that you guys do that kind of separates it from what most churches do.
1: First, first, I have to give like ninety-eight percent of the credit to Ch- to Chad Miller dr chad miller he's the one who um was um passionate about uh going to peru uh he had been there multiple times i'm not sure how many but multiple times um before coming to origins and um he actually knew your parents from his home church and so um he was the one that that got this thing started the conversation started at origins um and how uh you know, how can we figure out a way to not just take one trip, um, but to, uh, take an annual trip to continue going there each year. Um, he's like, here's all the things that I know from my experience in Peru, what we can and can't do all that. How can we use that information and then bring the people of Origins Church alongside of that and to to be a part of that mission? So, um he was the he was the guy who, who made it all happen and he actually continues to be um the one who organizes and le- organizes and leads that team every year um and so um it's you know a lot of people put a lot of work into it but i'm not sure there's anyone more uh puts more work into it than he does so um <clears throat> and so i want to give him uh, some credit there and a shout out um but as far in terms of our philosophy Um, we wanted to be able to not just do a parachute, um, drop in and leave, you know, and and drop out um, type mission, mission trip. Um, Not that that's really wrong, but we felt like uh, it would be more impactful if we could actually um, uh, continue to go year after year um, and build relationships, not only with the people that um, the Peruvian people that we're working with on that mission trip, but also the Peruvian people that we're reaching um, and serving. And so to continue seeing those same people, working with those same people, um, providing medical care and sharing the gospel with, with uh, the same people and same communities um, year after year has been um, turned out to be just incredible. Um, and so um, thankfully, because of the hard work that Alan and Diane have put, uh, put in on the ground, Because man, that's, uh, it would be the amount of work that Chad and our team puts into each trip, um, already, uh, would just, would be at least doubled, if not tripled, if, if it wasn't for Alan and Diane doing all the prep work that they do to, in Peru, to set up our medical days, the four medical days we have, and, um, and they provide, I don't know how much money they spend on providing food for us all week, um but um in the time they spend grocery shopping my gosh who wants to do that so um it's just a lot of a, a lot of people are do, are putting in a lot of time and a lot of work to make all this happen every year um and um I know I feel like uh, I think we've been there 10 times but it's actually been like 12 years maybe because there's been a couple of years in that we ended up not able to go um and so so Thankfully, through God's uh, grace and his provision, uh, we were able to accomplish that, that mission of um, creating an experience, uh, a mission experience uh, for, for people in Cincinnati, Ohio, to go to every single year in, in January to Lima. So.
0: And so correct me if I'm wrong, but really the main reason why you guys chose Peru is because one of the leaders of the church, one of the lay leaders already had a lot of experience with it. So you just kind of used what you already had available.
1: Correct. Yep.
0: I think that's such a good idea and so practical, right? Instead of, you know, throwing darts at a map or, you know, going ankles deep or knees deep into different algorithms, you know, you just look around and see what connections do we already have. And you go from there. I think that's great.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, that's so, I mean, that's where Alan and Diane come in too. Like I think it's it's critical to not only you know it's helpful that someone had the experience of going to Peru, but the fact that we had someone that had a connection a relationship already with Alan Diane, you know, or in general with a missionary who was already you know um, uh, impacting the community that they that they lived. That's a huge thing for sure. Uh, in order to you know, allow this a type a trip like this to be successful.
0: And one of the other unique things that I see you guys doing that I didn't really see a lot growing up or even with most trips that I've seen today as an adult is you guys work so closely with um, Iglesia Bautista Salamanca, um, the Salamanca Church, right? How did that come to be and what benefits have you seen partnering with a local church so closely?
1: yeah um well the connection with salamanca is actually through alan and diane um and so it was kind of a chain where uh we came in contact with chad dr chad miller when he started attending origins uh he's like hey i've got friends who are missionaries in lima their names alan and diane fry we should go there uh alan and diane fry are like well you should come here and we've got this you know, relationship, a sister church, whatever you want, partner church, people that we work with, that we work in ministry with, that uh, uh, their pastor's wife is a doctor, like, I mean, all of those chains, those connections just led to the, the perfect scenario um, to allow us to do what we were hoping to do. And so, um, man, again, like this, we wouldn't be able to do this on our own. If it wasn't for the um, uh, the help and the consistency of the faithfulness of Alan and Diane, your parents, and then also um, with all of the team at Salamanca. So um, as far as working with a local church, you know, I think the, the biggest benefit with a local church is the fact that we get to, because even though we go there every year, we're not there all year. We're, all, we're still only there for a week. So we get to connect with them. Um, we our hope is that we can do two things. We can provide them with physical healing, you know, to give them the physical um, uh, medical attention they need, but also point them to someone, to the person who can give them spiritual healing. And so uh, we always show them and talk to them about the gospel and about the saving um, knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, but then after that, we don't just leave. We actually get to take, um, the connections that we made with those people um, and give that information to the local church that we work through and then they get to reach out to those people follow up with them you know uh, make sure that they're doing okay depending on what kind of issue they came to be to be seen for some sometimes the medical condition that they they uh, come for uh, to, to be seen for they actually can help support them um, if they need more help Um, and then also uh, to try and help them get connected into that local church. So even though we're leaving, they get to—the local church now gets to follow up with them and and reach out to them through the week and throughout, hopefully, throughout the rest of the
0: year. And I think that's such a good model because it continues the discipleship. It continues, you know, the evangelism further. And in one way, you guys coming down is almost like like just a shot in the arm, right? Just that, you know, that— that energy drink to just really push what's already kind of going on even a step further, right? What I've always enjoyed seeing is how the Lord just kind of orchestrates different medical personnel or even people with different talents from your church coming down and then how that complements what um, the Salamanca Church provides medically and talent-wise as well, right? And just every single year, it seems like, it just meshes together perfectly, and that's definitely a God thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just. I mean, I'll be honest. Watching the dentist at work, like man, I'm glad we have them. But I don't even like going to dentist here. And then I look over there and I see somebody in like a lawn chair getting worked on. <laughs> but it's amazing the 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 talent that God has brought together, the gifting that people, uh, each person has um to be able to pull that together. I mean it's and it's like you said, it's anywhere from podiatry, family practice to haircuts, you know. Um so and everything in between. Um another thing that, that I think was that was that is cool about the local church um uh model is um because they get to follow up with those people and, and hopefully connect with them and build some relationships with them throughout the year, we've actually seen a handful of people at least that I'm aware of, uh, there might be more that I don't know about, um, that have actually uh, been, came to a medical uh, campaign to get medical care. They ended up placing their faith in Christ and becoming a follower of Jesus. And then one day, you know, sometime later, they end up becoming part of the campaign, and, like helping us through uh, the week as part of uh, one of the uh, volunteers you know, one of the missionaries of helping during the week and providing the the care um, and sharing the gospel with people during the week. So um, it's just, it's incredible to see that. And again, that's another thing about being able to come every single year um, that's encouraging to us is that we get to see that. You know, it's not, <clears throat> you always believe and trust that what you're doing, um, God is going to use it for good. But it's just, there's something about when you actually see it play out in front of you. You know, and you see examples of that actually happening, um, it just becomes it's, it's such an encouraging thing to, to us and our the people here in at Oregon. So um and I know it is too for the local churches there in Peru too.
0: On a very very similar note, something that I have not really have had the the opportunity to see is how does this benefit your church back in Ohio? Um, how has it shaped the culture uh, around the time where you guys are leaving? Is there like a buzz or something around the church? What's What's it like on your end?
1: So for us, I would say um, the biggest thing is that this is a huge, uh, let's say, what's the word I want to use for it? Um, onboarding, maybe? Like it's it's a good on-ramp. That's the word I was looking for. Um, for a lot of people, it's, it's actually a great on-ramp for them to actually, to get involved in church and to actually be the church. Um, you know, depending on who you are, we all have different personalities and, um, sometimes it's like, "Ah, I don't know about that group thing, like getting into a small group that's too personal and weird and awkward and I don't want to go to somebody, whatever, you know, this whole quarantine is throwing a wrench in that too. And Or the serving thing, like I feel like I can't find a serving opportunity at church on Sunday mornings that really fits my, you know, like we have all these reasons, and it, but you want to go to Peru? Yeah, I want to go to Peru, you know, like you want to go on a mission trip? Yeah, I want to go on this. And so we've had people throughout the years that this was the first time they've actually stepped out into um, a serving or a volunteer position um, or capacity. And it, you know, in the end, it's life changing. So, I mean, it's life changing for all of us. But for them, it actually became the on ramp that opened up the doors for other things that maybe that they were like, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. To where now, after coming back from, from Peru, they build relationships with people, not just in Peru. Like this was something that I realized last year, this past January, actually, when we went we had two or three guys, uh, people, sorry, not, not men, two or three people that, um, went on the trip for the first time, but, but they've been at Origins for a long time. Um, and they made connections with people in our church, with people at Origins that people were like, man, I never knew he was like that. I I didn't know that she had that type of personality, you know, like, uh, he's fun to be around and whatever. And so, um, even though we're in Lima, Peru, it's making a lasting impact for us that that we come back with, you know, with our team members, with um, people that are just, you know, that used to be that guy that I see across the, across the auditorium or the the girl that I see, um, you know, greeting me. That now I know who that person is. Now I I actually have um, I know who, I know their name. And so um, there's just I mean that's just one example too of the benefit of that. Um and um you know another another I how do I say this? For a lot of people, especially the ones that have never been out of the country, like it's it's eye opening to to go to a country that is nothing like they've experienced before and it's eye opening to realize that, you know, maybe there's some things that we uh should be grateful for, more grateful for or that we shouldn't be taking for granted. Um, and so there's that aspect as well, that, that people are just, um, uh, they're, they're impacted because of being able to, to what, expand their horizon, I guess.
0: That's really cool that it's helpful for you guys in the States as well. Right. Because I mean, obviously growing up down here, um, I've seen how helpful it is down here but a lot of people may not realize how good of an idea it is to start a program like this for their very own church, right? It helps build up discipleship. It helps build up a loving community within your own church. And that's really cool to see.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I would add too, just real quick, like this model, I I think is even helpful and impactful in your local community. So instead of, instead of going from one place to the next, um, serving here, serving there, that's all good. But if you can establish a, a consistent ongoing relationship with, um, local people in your, um, in your community or a local organization, it's, it's unbelievable how even more of an impact in, in different ways, how, how it impacts your community when you do that. And so, um, You know, it's not just on um, global missions or foreign missions, you know.
0: And um, I don't know if you know the answer to this one off the top of your head. Um, It wasn't on the list I sent you earlier. But I was just kind of wondering, how do the individuals from your church find the money to make this trip, right? Because the plane ticket is not cheap, right? And there is yeah. a price tag to everything that's going on. So if you don't mind, could you just speak a little bit into the financial realities of doing something like this every single sure. year?
1: The first thing is we have the last few years, the, the cost of the trip has been $2,200 per person, $2,200. Um, the reason I mention that is because it, it, that includes airline ticket, lodging, all your food for the week the materials that we need and and that we purchase for the work project. Um, and then our hope is that, uh, we can, we can spend, like do everything that we need to do with the least amount of money. And then we can leave the extra for, you know, giving it to, um, uh, missionaries that are, that we work with and giving it to, um, translators that we need, um, and that we heavily rely on all week. And so, but the way people raise that twenty two hundred dollars, um, man, I mean, number one is we encourage them to send letters of support, and so um, that's a pretty common thing. Um, it's, it's something that churches have done for for a long time to send letters of support. Um, you're sort of treating it like you're a missionary, and so um, you're asking people to invest not only in your trip but in order to get you there so that you can then invest um in in our case medical and gospel related missions um and so they'll send out letters to families friend uh family and friends um and asking uh them to um not only pray for them but if they could to give a monetary donation to help them get to lima another thing that um you know i mean you can get creative right like we all have crazy ideas in our head and this is one example that you might as well give it a try so um but we've had people give ipad um like do ipad giveaways one of the this is kind of an interesting thing it actually works but you don't have to buy the ipad up front or it might be a tv flat flat screen treat. tv could be an ipod whatever it is you want to to, to, to sell or to to uh sell raffle tickets for um, let's say an iPad is 300 bucks. Okay. You can, um, sell raffle tickets and you just tell your friend, you send it out to all your friends, put it on Facebook. Hey, I'll give you a raffle ticket for one for $10 or three for 20. And then you sell those raffle tickets and you put on there as long as I raise 300, uh, over 300, then we're going to do this raffle. And so you're going to, at the very worst, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to break even. Um, Well, then you don't have to buy that until you raise the money from raffling those tickets. And then, which allows you to also purchase it and you can just put the shipping address directly to the person who won. So you don't pay for shipping. So we've had people through that type of um, uh, money raising tactic, we've had people do that and make. Several hundred dollars, and never even see the you know they've never even touched the product that they sold, um and so um, that's one thing. And we have actually I know one example where someone did that with the television that they actually they currently had in their possession. And the person who won said, "You can keep the TV and raffle it again if you want to." So they did. So that person just donated the TV back to them, and they they sold the raffle tickets again. Um, and so, um, that's one kind of innovative way uh, way to raise money. Another example that I've heard is, uh, people dog sitting. So, yeah, Hey, I'll, I'll dog sit and here's the reason why I'm doing it. And usually people will pay them what they, what their rate is, but they'll give them a tip on top of that because they know they're trying to get to Peru. Um, and so, uh, actually selling services, you know, I'll cut your grass for you all. You know, that's always a good one too.
0: So with a little bit of sacrifice, a little bit of humility and a little bit of creativity, pretty much anyone can go yeah. on one of these trips.
1: Exactly. Yes. 100%. And if you got birthdays coming up, if it's, you know, we go in January, so Christmas, ask people, hey, if you want to get me a gift, give me money towards my trip, you know? That's even even better.
0: Do you think that when people have to raise money either or a combination of raising support like a missionary or raffling or putting in extra hours on a side job, how do you think that affects their their position on the trip, like the, the position of their heart while they're down here?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I would just say the more you invest, in this, the more um personal it's gonna be, the more um the more serious you're gonna take this, the more you're gonna go into this thinking, man, I've um I've put some work, I've put maybe some sweat and tears into this. Um, you know, I mean I think that's true for prayer as well. It's not just the physical side. Like when we pray it's it's we're asking God and and showing him like we want to be a part of what he's doing. And so show us what you're doing so that we can be a part, you know, like, um, guide us. Um, and so it's the same thing. Like it becomes you're something that you're personally invested in. It's not, it's not just a trip anymore. It's not, um, even though you may not be looking at it as a vacation, when you put those efforts and that extra work into it, there's something, there's an added layer to the trip when, when you do that, I think. Um, and it, I think that's what it's from. It's from the, like you're personally investing into it and become something that, um, that you're just, you're longing for, for God to sh- to show you something, to teach you so- something, um, and for, for whatever you do during that week, that it, your hope is that it, it will be an impact on somebody's life. You know, I, I think another aspect of that too is it's something that actually is, is more, it's a follow up. It's something after the trip. Um, it's helpful too. Um, because not only it's, it's good that the fact that you went on the trip, you got to experience those things that you did and, um, and see, um, God move not only in your life, but in the people's lives that you're serving. Um, but the people who sacrificed 20 bucks, you know, or a hundred bucks or whatever that monetary or just they they sacrifice time like on their knees praying for you through that um they it's a, it's an impact on them as well when you share with them the stories that you um uh got to experience while you were there so pictures videos um written letters you know to share that with the people that that gave to you or that had prayed to you through um, getting to Peru. Um, that's another aspect that I think is important, um, to, uh, allow them to be a part of that process too, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. That's awesome. And, um, what exactly do you guys do while you're down here? Can you, we mentioned it briefly, that it's a medical p- campaign and that there's yeah dentists, but could you give us a a fuller layout of everything that goes on, either what origins does or what the Salamanca church does or how you both work together.
1: So we um, typically we take about uh, 15 to 20. Um, I think one year, it might've been a few years, but there, I know we've had as many as 30 people. I remember actually one year we had to have two vans to, to like, transport us around each day um so but i think typically it's about 15 to 20 people that we take on average and um we have let's see i think we have four teams we have a kids evangelism team we have adult evangelism team we have a, a medical team and then we have a work crew so those are our four teams that we put together and um uh our two main focuses, um, it really should be three actually, um, is, is the, the work team. So we have some sort of work project that's going on during the week. We have the medical team and then evangelism, which is divided into adults and kids and kids. And so, um, we use the medical campaign as a vehicle, um, or a means to reach people for Christ. Um, and I, like I mentioned earlier, like we, we always try to tell people because it's the simplest way, like one phrase or one sentence to help them understand why we're here. And it's because we want to meet a physical need for them so that we can point them to the one who can help them with their spiritual needs. That's our goal for the week during, uh, in terms of the, uh, work team, we actually, the goal of that is actually to help the local church, um, specifically. And so, uh, we've done, um, everything's tied that all of our work, um, campaigns or work teams have, uh, projects, uh, work projects have been tied to the local church. So whether it's work at the, the church itself, or it could be at, um, the pastor and his wife, uh, their home, or it could be um, at um, the local uh, school. Like we, one year we did, um, gosh, I forget the name of it. What's the name of it again? The school? Fetzer. Fetzer. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, We helped with um, uh, an apartment that we built. And um, I mean, it's just, we've done all kinds of stuff but all of it has been connected uh, to local ministry, whether it's the church or with the school. Um, and so, um, they are there all week. It's just one project they'll do that the work team will go and be there Monday through Thursday. Um, and they'll start it and complete it, you know, multiple trips to the, to the, uh, hardware store, um, to get stuff that they didn't know they needed. Um, but they have every year that I've gone, um, they have started and completed their project that they, that they did that week. So. Um, they are, they're hard workers, um, that are all on there. And one of the things that we actually didn't do this from, from day one, but, um, we eventually realized that, um, some of the workers that were at the work site all week, uh, were kind of bummed that they didn't get to go see, um, the medical campaigns and be a part of like kids program and, um, in evangelism. And so we were like, okay, that's, we're glad that you you're bummed about that we should do something about that and so we started doing a rotation where if anyone on the work team wanted to take one day Monday through Thursday they wanted to take one of those days to go with the uh, medical and evangelism team they could even when we we did that we still were able to complete the projects they started so um, that's been a good thing um, a good adjustment that we made uh, kind of halfway through our trips but so you know, ultimately, we want to be, um, you know, we want to complete all of those, those, uh, goals that we have with medical evangelism and work teams, uh, work projects. But in the end, we, our hope is that we're an encouragement to, um, the local churches that we serve through. Um, and so we always provide gifts. We want to give gifts to those pastors and their wives and if they have kids. Um, and, um, we want them to know that, you know, They're not just being used like we're thankful for the ministry that God has called them to and that they are, um, serving in. Um, and, uh, you know, our hope is that we'll see them again in the future. And so, um, you know, we don't want to be a burden on them by coming in and tearing a place up and then just being like, all right, see ya. Hope, have fun cleaning up. So, um, that's another, another goal that we have is to make sure that, um, you know, they they feel blessed um, and um, and that they're grateful that we came, not, not um, you know, dreading us showing up. So.
0: And we are very grateful whenever you guys do come. <laughs> we always enjoy having you yes. guys down here. Another one of the benefits of coming back to the same place year after year. Actually, you guys haven't come back to the same exact place year after year. For a while there, you were going back and forth from – the city of lima to up in the mountains yeah and um so man if i if i would have remembered that that would have you need to have you back on to talk about all the strange stuff that's happened while we were in the mountains um but i mean that's been another cool experience right just to see more of peru to get a richer understanding of the culture and as someone who has come down have you come down every time or i mean most of them
1: No, I've, I've actually only been, uh, five out of the 10.
0: I mean, that's still a lot.
1: (laughs) So it's, um, uh, I actually went, I've only been to the mountains once and I went, I went the year, the first year we went to the mountains, um, is the year that I went to the mountains. So, um. I think the year after that or it might have been two years later we went back to the mountains. That's when a bunch of people got sick. Am I allowed to say that?
0: yeah, I mean, I was one of them. That <laughs> was insane.
1: I was not there for that one, so um but I do have to mention one of the coolest things that just that I'll never forget was happened in the mountains. What right? Is that how you say it? okay sorry i don't have I don't have the Spanish yeah. accent or whatever. <laughs> But what else um, the
0: village town of what else? Yeah,
1: it's that's gorgeous. where we stayed. And one of the coolest things, and I've got this on video. um, So it it was Chad Miller, who is the podiatrist. Um, we a handful of us had filled up our backpacks with Bibles and tracks and medical supplies. And then started just walking up the mountain to see who we could help with, you know, stop at their house. And well, we stopped at this dude's house and he, he was like, you know, oh yeah, I definitely need help with my feet, you know? So, um, uh, Chad would speak English to Leo, Leo would translate it to Spanish. Leo would speak the Spanish to the pastor, which I don't remember his name. He would translate Spanish to Quechua so that this person, this man could understand Then he would say something in Quechua, translate it to Spanish, Spanish to English, like it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he was able to help him and, you know, give him, I think he gave him a cortisone shot. I forget what all he did, but, um, but that was definitely one of those moments of, you know, I mean, before going to Peru, I've never even heard of Quechua. So being able to see that and hear them speak that language. Okay, we got, we got three different languages going here. I like it. So, yeah, I, back to your question. Um, I've only been here five out of the ten um, and going got to go to the mountains once. So was there more to your question? Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, it's fine. I love that story that you told about you know, the old mountain man who you know, has been so far up the mountain that he's barely learned Spanish, at, if at yeah. all. And, you know, he's holding on to that mother tongue. That's That happens a lot. Um, but yeah, so my question was, and you kind of have already spoken into it, how much do you feel like you actually know of Peru from actually coming down and seeing different aspects time and time hmm. again? Because on one hand, five times does sound like a lot, but at the same time, you know, there might be a skeptic listening who thinking like, but it's only for a week, you know, how much can you really know about a country?
1: Yeah. So I don't know who that skeptic is out there. That's questioning this, but um, my guess is that that person probably came to Peru to go to Machu Picchu, you know, and like all of the, like go to Cusco, like all the tourist stuff, which I don't blame you. Like you should go there. Um, And if you've never been there, you should go there too um because i've been to peru 5 times and i've never been to cusco or machu picchu and so one of these days i feel like it's going to happen but we don't go there for the tourism we don't go there you know we still we still hit up like the marketplace and um buy souvenirs and we go to uh larcomar so we do we do some tourist stuff um, but uh, but we're there uh, living and walking Um, alongside uh, the locals there and several different, I mean, we've been to, I'm going to guess, so we go to four different places each week that were there. Um, I don't know this for a fact, so, you know, don't hold me to it. But in 10 years, that's 40. I'm going to guess we've been to at least like half of that has to be different places, different uh, suburbs of Lima that we've gone to. Uh, 20 different suburbs yeah so,
0: definitely um
1: so the thing that i've learned the most i mean just the culture of lima i mean one of the things that stands out um that everyone recognizes immediately is how incredibly loving the kids are the kids are always they're, they're they want to play they want to hug you they want to stand next to you um you know especially if you have candy the parents, um, the, the adults the same way. Um, I mean, that here in the states, like you feel bad even saying hi to somebody. It's like, I don't know if that guy, I don't know if that person wants me to talk to them, you know? And then when you try to say hi to them, you just get a blank stare. It, it is nothing like that in Peru. You know, we, our experience there is that people are, are just, they're open and ready to talk. And so they, they want to have a conversation. They'd love to ask more questions. And so that's one of the most obvious things that, that every person that goes on this trip um, recognizes. And um, and the hospitality that we experience every year um, is just top notch. And so uh, one of the things too, that uh, I would say, I mean, our, we're talking about sightseeing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we have been talking about trying to figure out how we can get to Machu Picchu um, and uh, make it possible for people on our team to have that option. But we allow uh, some time at on Friday is like our rest and relaxation um, and uh, being able to uh, see some of the culture and the things about uh, Peru that that um, you would see. I mean, I just, man, this is, might should I even share this? Man. My yeah. wife was watch my wife was watching The Bachelor. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh they went to Lima on one of their little trips and they went to the um the square, like is it called Parliament? Yeah, yeah, the the Presidential Palace. The Presidential Palace, yes. Yeah. And that's where we tried to go this past January, but there was protest going on. And so we only got to see it from like a distance because they had that whole square blocked off. And so, so instead,
0: we all got churros from a little yeah, corner.
1: And we got amazing churros. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, I know this is kind of simple, um, but that's another. That is a thing that is cool about about going there and getting to see the different areas and um, parts of, of Lima. Um, is that now all of a sudden you have that experience of like, you, you see things like, man, I just ate. I mean, I wish I could share a picture of that I have on my phone right now. I just ate at a restaurant in Louisville this past weekend, Louisville, Kentucky, called Yummy Pollo. And it's a Peruvian restaurant. <laughs> That's such and an kept,
0: amazing name for a Peruvian restaurant. <laughs>
1: dude, I took, a, I took a picture of it because we got it to go. So it was in a styrofoam container.
0: Just like you find down here in Peru.
1: Dude, so I was like, I text Chad Miller. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm on a mes- medical mission trip. <laughs> it was, they had, it was yucca potatoes with uh, chicken fried rice and chicken. Like bone-in chicken, you know, wow. like rotisserie chicken. Yeah. And it was amazing.
0: And in a million years, I never thought out of all places you would find that in louisville kentucky <laughs> i know
1: time well, ago, I some time ago some peruvian
0: is... got on the wrong plane i don't know what to tell you
1: <laughs> yeah so it's i mean those are stuff like that is just you know it's it's cool to be able to have those their memories really like man this is this brings up so many incredible memories of you know being on those trips and the people that i've met along the way and um You know, the stories of God changing people's lives because of, you know, they came just to get their hair cut, you know, Um, and they find themselves in a conversation with somebody about talking to them about how much God loves them and what who Jesus is and what they did for them. And, you know, so, um, I mean, I have nothing negative to say about the Peruvian culture. So um, it's nothing but good over here.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming down and you know, for you either while you're down here or working for the team in the States, all the prayer, all the time, all the mental exhaustion you and you know, the rest of the pastoral staff and all the lay leaders have put in. Um, thank you so much. I also kind of owe Origins Church my marriage. Um <laughs> because in what was it? Two thousand ten, I believe. Yeah, like January 2010. It had been right. a long time since I saw Paola. And then she shows up on the trip, which I didn't even realize was going to happen. And, you know, she's not looking like a kid anymore. You know, and
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I'm not looking like a kid anymore. And I do nothing because I'm about to leave for college in like four months. And up. then, yep. and when was it? 2014 or 15. There was that trip to the, to the mountains when everyone got sick. And uh, that was right after, like days before that trip, that we, you know, had the DTR, the defining the relationship talk, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and uh, our first kiss was actually r- as you guys were getting on the bus to to go back right. to the airport. She and I stuck away, and
1: you guys, you kissed before you got married. We
0: did. Now, actually, no, I take that back. I've never Man, kissed my dude. wife. Sorry, I oh man what's my dad's dumb joke um <laughs> i never kissed my wife until we were married because she wasn't my wife uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I butchered my dad joke but i'm not a dad yet so i can right, still mess them good. up but yeah so in many ways you know i kind of owe my relationship to uh, origins church and your guys's ministry <laughs> down here in peru
1: that's good man that's another another success story
0: there it is <laughs>
1: That's, that's another that's reason to come crazy. down. Like that's another. That's, to me. That's another. Um, it's another aspect of the benefit of continuing to go back year after year. You know, not not just dropping in and leaving. Um, like we get, we kind of have. I mean, if we sat here and talked about all the things that we've experienced that are, um, in terms of people and our teams like it would, it would sound exactly like a family, you know what I mean? Like it would kids that are now grown up and now they're married and you know, someone who was, you know, if you want to call it the black sheep, like, like now they're part of the fold. Now they're part of the hurt, you know, like, and they're, they're actually uh, being a part of the, the team itself. And I mean, people that were here five years ago are no longer with us. I mean, it's just, it's crazy because it really is um, it, it really is like a family and so um, you know we have all the ups and downs you know the the celebrations and the the, the sadness or the grief and um, and I think it's it's more true to to life you know when you have that type of experience rather than just being you know oh yeah that one year I went to you know uh, I mean, I went to Hawaii for two months on a mission trip and it was the summer after my freshman year of college. I mean, I'm not complaining. It was amazing. Um, but, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. We did a lot of mission work in in Hawaii when I was there. Um, we did Bible clubs for kids and we did camp summer camps and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I compare it to to my experience, for over five years that I've been to Peru, it's it's incomparable. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like the ongoing development of relationships and um, the ups and downs of that, I think is is a healthy and kind of revitalizing thing. So
0: yeah, I agree. And you know, I've seen people that have gone on the trip multiple times come down, and you know they. They hug and they scream and they cry when they see you know their peruvian friends, and it's a real friendship because five i mean you're working together four days in the trench for the same savior like those kind of relationships are not bound to language or time because it's yeah. rooted in serving our God, and those really do last a lifetime and i've i've I have those with people from your church and. I've seen people from your church with people from, you know, my churches down here in Peru have those and it's so beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for coming on Brock. Um, Just as a missionary kid and now as a missionary, I've always felt ever since that one book came out about how mission trips are bad by that one author. I forget what the book actually is, but yeah, I
1: think I know what you're talking
0: about. Yeah. I just have always felt like mission trips have had a bad rap. I'm like, no, like they were so much fun. You know, I loved it when we had trips as a kid. I got to meet all sorts of new people and we did all sorts of weird things. And I think you guys really do set a good example of what, you know, like a best case, best practice scenario. And as you were saying, you know, just parachuting down just, you know, to a country is not bad. It's not wrong. But if you're looking for a best case scenario, um, best yeah. practice is something with longevity, with repetition, with building up those relationships, and I think you guys have really set a good example of that down here in Peru, and they've carried that model. So the Iglesia Salamanca, they might have been doing this before, I'm not sure, but I know that they have very similar models of this kind of trip in the mountains and in Peru, where they're the ones yeah. working side by side other smaller local churches and those harder to reach corners doing the same thing for even smaller churches and those communities. And I mean, sometimes yeah. the church is like two families all the way out there. So it's cool to see that repetition and that multiplication.
1: Well, I think I think they go to the jungle too every year, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do three or four trips and they hit they yep. hit everywhere.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like I met people this past trip that they said they're, they're going on four or five trips a year because they're part of all of the, they're part of all of those trips that they take, whether uh, the mountains and the jungle and, you know, even in, in Lima, it's, uh, it's awesome, man. I love, I love seeing that. And, you know, the, the evangel, the evangelists uh, that help, uh, the Peruvian uh, evangelists that help each year—it's like they're like machines. They're like you can't stop them. You know, it's like their their energy seems like it's supernatural or something. You know, um, they just they don't get tired, they don't quit. They're like, oh, there's more people here. Let's keep talking to them about Jesus.
0: Yeah, you know? it is. So, it's insane and beautiful yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it's really really cool. All right, Brock. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> It was great catching up with you. And, yeah, man. Uh, Thank you. I would love to have you back me. on. Of course. Yes,
1: sir. Of course. Yes, sir. I can't wait to hear this. And I'm definitely looking forward to the next time. All right. Catch you later. All right. Till so follow us at high. Will do.
0: See, I told you guys that was going to be a great interview. Okay, I feel like I need to put like an asterisk or like a footnote there just for like now and future reference. When I say that, like, you know, something was a great interview, I am obviously not talking about me, right? I am not a good interviewer. I'm, you know, I'm not that great, right? I'm a bit curious. I think that helps. But what I mean when I say that was a great interview is I mean, like, wow, like that guest. Killed it, like how, how great was Brock, you know, how great was Rosemary last week? That's what I mean, like um, this is why I love doing this podcast. is just you know having having the time to ask these types of questions to people that I admire and that I respect and that i I really look up and find interesting and really get to pick their brain about ministry and life and missions and what it really means to love Jesus day in and day out. Man, that was that was great. Brock, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. If anyone from Origins Church ever hears this episode, thank you guys so much for how much love and support you have given Peru, you have given Lima and Wadas. We love you guys and we hope to see you in 2021. I mean that's probably not very likely, but at least 2022. We would love to have you guys back down here. That would be absolutely Awesome. Again, thank you Brock and Origins Church for the love and support and fun and camaraderie you have given us over, you know, the last, what is it now, 10, 11 years? Something awesome like that. Transitioning a little bit, need to do a little bit of housekeeping, I guess, here at the end for those who are interested. I am not 100% sure I'll be able to have an episode up and running um, next week or maybe even the week after. Some interviewing dates have had to change and I want to make sure that I do a good job at the interviews and I have enough prep time and enough time to edit and, you know, really make them sound better. I am also trying to transition out of a really old laptop into a new one trying to learn a new editing program that will hopefully make everything sound a little bit better and maybe be a little bit easier and help me have a quicker turnaround time with this process. But I highly, highly, highly doubt it's going to be like a year and three months like it was last time. I am really hoping that, you know, I'll be able to get everything turned around and figured out and recorded and edited within the next couple of weeks and maybe in get get ahead on the editing. I'd really love to be able to do that as well. Also, you know, I am a full-time teacher, so I am trying, you know, to make sure that I'm staying on top of grades. I already have a couple of essays I need a grade, and it's only been a couple of weeks of school, so that's kind of stressful, but please hear me. I am really trying to make this really, really regular, and please be praying for me, that I'm able to find a good rhythm and a good habits and good time management to be able to do everything I need to do at the school, International Christian School of Lima, ICS Lima, at our church, Iglesia Nueva Vida, New Life Church, Lima, and then also, you know, this hobby slash ministry type of thing. I think it's probably more of a hobby because it's really just in this case to have these awesome long-form conversations with people. But um, hey, if you guys are ministered out of it, that's super awesome. I'm I'm glad. Two birds with one stone. If you follow our Instagram or Facebook accounts, I will be posting updates on there as to when the next one would be coming out. Also, this season, I want to experiment with um, live, like um, being live on YouTube or being live on Facebook with some of these interviews and also recording them and having video. So I'll also be announcing that little by little as I play around with you know, the new technology we got lying around here and as I'm figuring everything out. I would love to be able to put some of these interviews via video onto YouTube and then have the audio, you know, here on a Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you listen. If you have any insights as to what you guys would like to see or hear for season two, whether that is, you know, new technology or new programs I should be using, things I could do to make the sound better, um, are you? Would you be interested in video? Would you like these to be shorter? Should I go even longer? Um, any feedback as to what you'd be down for for season two? Any ideas? That'd be great. Also, topics. Um, if you have any questions that you would like to hear me address or bring on, you know, specific people. If you have ideas of interesting ministry people, uh, missionaries or pastors that you think have a really good insights as to ministry or you know really just a christian walk in general i am i'm am all ears please send those to to me at uh, chris and paula fry the view from peru you can find us by searching that on facebook and instagram and uh, really those are the best way to contact me i'll also put my email down in the notes and with all the other social links sam fry 427 at gmail.com. I know that one's kind of weird. It doesn't go with the whole the view from Peru, but I'm actually thinking about changing that as well. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just like to do all of this a little bit better, a little bit more professional. And um, I would also like to do what you guys are actually interested in. So uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you think, any insights, any suggestions. I am all ears. And I hope to see you next week. But um, I'll be honest, I am not sure if that's going to happen. But I'll make sure to let you guys know on Instagram and on Facebook and everything else like that. I'll see you soon. I am confident, fairly confident. I'm kind of confident <laughs> that it will be soon. Um, so don't unsubscribe. Don't do anything like that. This will still be active. Just give me a week or two. And I'll have some amazing interviews for you guys. I uh, i got a guy that's uh, doing sports as ministry, a couple that's going to come and talk about, you know, falling in love and dating on the missions field and how you know it's time to leave. I'm talking to one of my friends who actually published a book. I got some really cool stuff in the works. I just might need a little bit extra time. So please stay tuned. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a missions trip opportunity, be praying about it. And I hope you're able to take it. Hope the Lord has that in the works for you. I hope that all of this was um, edifying for the church. I hope that you were able to gain something from it. And I hope that above all of that, I hope that this glorified God, at least in some small way. Sol deo gloria, right? All the glory to God. All right, I'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much.